0: Welcome to the Celtic Way Podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome back to the Celtic Way Podcast. We are in part three of a five part series called Praying with the Seasons. This episode, we are going to discuss spring, and to kick it off, the creative director of Celtic Way, Scott Jenkins.
1: No season is an island unto itself, right? So spring is related to winter because the work of winter is what will eventually give birth to the spring. In winter, we had to seriously ask ourselves the question and things like, what needs to die within in order to create space that spring will bring some new seeds and some new growth winter is this necessary part of life that i don't think anybody likes naturally with the cold and snow and ice but then metaphorically either it asks some very difficult questions like where is the block what needs to be put to death finally what do i need to release and let go slow moving tonality of winter pondering reflecting digesting and finally coming up with the courage to say this is what i need to let go of it's no wonder then when spring comes everybody feels lighter right i mean happier on a normal year if there is such a thing ever again on a normal year i'm hopeful i'm like oh look at there's more sunlight oh, there's a little bit of warmth coming. Man, the ducks and the geese are starting to return, you know, and the flowers are budding, the trees are budding. Man, everything around us is bringing like, hey, (laughs) we're coming back to life. And that's exciting. This spring, when you add to it that the lockdown was ending, right, the vaccines were rolling out, Many people were hopeful about that. And after being sort of locked in the house for a whole year, springtime was like somebody had painted the words freedom up in the sky, right? Like, go outside, see your family, get to be with your friends, and such energy. And that is just the context of how we do our life. I mean, even today... In the ancient Celts, it was a real awakening time for them. I mean, literally, they could go outside. In wintertime, they really were locked down pretty much every winter. Their little huts and stuff were filled with storage food, and you may have gone out to go get some water and stuff. But springtime began with hard work plowing, planting. Now they always had a festival right around February 1st, which we call Imbolc. And Imbolc has to do with use milk. When the milk began and the little lambs were born and they had milk to drink from their mother, these kind of things like the budding of plants, these seasonal voices were coming out and saying it's time. We're not anchored in that way so much in terms of our life depending on it but they were it signaled them a time for plowing and planting and birthing and breeding and it just was like this is a time if we need to travel now it's going to be safe to travel winter's over their connection and the signal of the season was life guiding for these folks it signaled so much everything about their world was connected to that And of course, in many ways, we've lost that. You know, we might say springtime begins on this date. Well, okay. In Colorado, that date, we were covered with snow and ice. So, you know, some of us would be like, it's not springtime yet. I don't care what your calendar says.
0: I think that's the problem with springtime in places like we live is that we put a date on it. And then that gets us all excited as if it's just naturally going to come around that time. And sometimes you know, for us, sometimes it's months before it really starts changing. And that's what I love when you talk about that use milk and springtime actually starting when it starts without having an actual date on it. And I even think when it's connected to our spirituality, that is such a beautiful thought of just allowing things to unfold in their own time, which I'm maybe the worst at. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but, but I, i'll tell you that's absolutely right and every once in a while it's good to stop and ponder my friends are like hey it's springtime i'm really disappointed that there's all this snow and ice out here and we get, you know what happened what's going on it's not springtime yet that's what's going on and you know as people technological digitally oriented people who are so damn precise about every, this has to start at you know It just butts right into our whole control issues it hits us in this place of we're really not connected to the natural seasonal movement deeper than that is exactly what you're talking about there is a rhythm and a flow to life and it's not at our beck and call right it has Mm -hmm. its own movement its own time if that's all we got from this whole episode, that it's important to listen to time movement, to the flow of seasons. You know, Celtic people didn't have nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock you know, they had morning, afternoon, evening, and nighttime. And how do you know when it is? Well, look at the sun. You know, that's how you know when it is.
0: One of the great benefits about the type of work that I do, Scott, is, and I was talking to a friend about this the other day, is I literally cannot remember the last time I've had to wake up with an alarm clock. I wake up when the sun shines in my face And then I open my eyes and assume it's probably the same time as it was yesterday when I woke up and I'm almost always right. And I love that part of life. But the vast majority of our world and especially our culture, they wake up with a jarring alarm clock, which, Mm -hmm. you know, again, there's not necessarily anything horribly wrong with that, but it doesn't allow us to just kind of unfold our day. And when we're talking about the seasons the same way, you know, we don't necessarily allow things to unfold in what I would call the timing of the divine or God's timing, right. which is, is really difficult to do. And that's why praying with spring is so valuable and so wonderful.
1: Yeah. I just finished the, this eight week course and. God bless these people. We're going to meet tonight on Zoom. They want to continue. I'm trying to take a sabbatical during the summer, <laughs> but I'm. it'll all work out. But so many people have said, you know, I'm really trying to do this thing with the seasons. And it's changing me from within about how I live my life. Well, even
0: what you just said there, Scott, is a good challenge because you said you want to take a sabbatical this summer, (laughs) yet there's this community of people that are telling you, no, we need to keep going in this. And it's a great opportunity for you to even ask that question, that even though you had a plan to do a sabbatical this summer, maybe you just need to wait until the timing unfolds for that event.
1: No, I mean, that's exactly what one of my friends, Jack said to me, it's like, well, your timing is off. <laughs> <laughs> it's summer. Come on. We're coming alive, you know. <laughs> and we'll see where that works out. You know? But it is such um, it's such a thing to step back. I mean, there's no, we're not going to overthrow the technological society and in the industrial world we live in. We're not. But, boy, it's a blatant reminder to me just how disconnected we are in life. So a person said to me from the class, when we begin to see the seasons as our spiritual companions, that the world we live in is filled with God, that it's sacred. Oh, everything inside of me when I from the beginning of my day to the end begins to change. I'm like, yeah, it's transformative. It's such a good call.
0: Now, Scott, you just got done talking about how difficult it is and that we're not going to be able to override technology and things like that. So how, from more of a practical standpoint, then, do we wed our spirituality with the natural way of the seasons? Or how do we make this something that we can practically do in our everyday life so our spirituality connects in this way with the seasons?
1: Yeah. I think for Christian people, it's good to realize that for those churches that do follow a liturgical calendar, that ancient, ancient Christians were really adapting the natural world to their Christian calendar, to their journey with Jesus, because the the liturgical calendar is meant to tell the story of Jesus for people who lived in a world where they couldn't read or write. So this was a good reminder from very early on, the season of Lent was planted in the springtime season because Easter, of course, was planted in springtime. And Lent simply is an old Anglo-Saxon word, which means the lengthening of days. So here we have spring right in front of us. And people will ask me if this springtime is about new life and new birth. Why do we have such Lent? Is always about abstinence, giving something up. I have a lot of friends who don't even go to church, I'm not even sure they would consider themselves Christians, but every Lent they'll say, this is what I'm giving up for Lent, <laughs> and I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, what is that all about? And then I realized that for ancient people, ancient Christians, storing up stuff for winter meant you also had to have food left over for the early part of spring. You're just pl- plowing and planting, right? So you didn't have everything. So in those early days of spring, abstinence was sort of a natural thing. We didn't have everything we stored up at the beginning. So we learned to go without. And the church took that in to help us focus and to pay attention. So the things that we were supposed to give up during Lent wasn't just chocolate, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it wasn't just that, it wasn't dessert. It was the things that might get in the way of tuning in our focus about what is just life-giving, what now that we've created this space from winter, what's gonna come forth in my spiritual journey, my inward life um, that really I'm yearning for, that I really need. So it is kind of marked with what's happening in nature. So, you have this Lenten season of 40 days, and then you have Holy Week, and then you have Easter, the crowning point, right, of the church's year, at least one of them, where there is the offer of new life given, and it just matches with spring so well. Early Celtic people, early Christian people, marked the coming of spring called Imbolc, the time when the, when the ewes produce their milk on February 1st, is roughly the time and it's not a mystery to me that one of the three great celtic saints bridget her feast day falls on february 1st right the festival of Imbolc and the coming of spring and bridget along with patrick and columba are one of the three great irish saints of all time they're like the the most important three and bridget being the only woman And so she becomes the matron saint of all kinds of things, of babies and blacksmiths, of boatmen, of cattle, chicken farmers, children whose parents are not married. Yeah. And dairy maids and dairy workers and on and on and on. Fugitives, infants, midwives, and so on. She becomes this really incredible pillar and her two great gifts that are practically seen and expressed throughout the Lenten season. Of course, we'd often take special offerings for those in need. She was the matron saint of what we would consider today to be the homeless. That people who are poor. And so that becomes a big theme that should be expressed, magnified during the Lenten season and all year around. But she's also the, the matron saint of hospitality. And I've struggled with that all the way through the pandemic. Like, how do we express hospitality now that we can't be together in person, right? And there's a certain kind of suffering that goes on because of that. So at Celtic Way, we've worked really hard to do all kinds of things, to be in contact with people who feel isolated and alone. But hospitality today is paramount in terms of our Christian calling. The streets of Denver and Aurora are beginning to be overflowing with uh, homeless people. And we're running a string now of days in the 90s and, and low 100 degrees. So hospitality is gonna have to express itself in some very concrete reaching out ways to provide for these people. It seems lighter and it seems a lot more life-giving. It might actually seem fun when we begin to do our praying with this season of spring, when we think about spring as companion. It's serious as it is in winter with a very different tone, but we have to ask ourselves, what is coming forth? from within. What is it that is life-giving for me that I need to make in the next transition in my journey? What is it that I'm desiring? So many times in the church world that I was part of, human desires were put in a certain category that was not welcome let me just put it that way (laughs) i can still remember people saying to me you really can't pay attention to your desires you shouldn't you know because they're shadowy they're going to lead you into a bad place and stuff but in the celtic christian tradition desires can be god-given They can be listened to and they can nurture us so that the deepest needs of our soul, our wants and our yearnings, some of them are needed, some of them are just wanted, right? And so the whole expression of what it means to be human as we listen to these desires becomes fulfilled in a way that in many churches today is is suppressed and put down, you know.
0: So, Scott, in the last episode, you posed the question based on praying with winter what is it in our life that needs to die? Which is a really important and meaningful question. Mm -hmm. And then now, when we talk about praying with spring, the question is after that death, what is it in our life? That needs to be birthed or what needs to come forth, which is really what is represented by spring.
1: Sometimes what needs to come forth is directly related to what needed to die. Okay. Right. Could be about a use of time, could be about a use of money. Regardless of what it is, what we've left behind now has created some space in our life. And before we just jump in and fill that vacuum. We really have to stop and think about a lot of different things, like where are we really in our spiritual journey? How do we view ourselves? It's a deep personal question. Are we becoming more at home and more accepting of our story of who we are? So many people that I do spiritual direction with are still struggling with, am I acceptable to God? And part of what I want them to listen to first and foremost is, are you acceptable to yourself?
0: Hmm.
1: Can you love your life that you're living today? Can you embrace your whole self with your flaws and your character defects or however you want to talk about that? But can you see yourself as somebody who is the beloved of God, right? Jesus is beginning his journey in a river, and he hears the voice. You are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. And often at springtime, that's where I'll take people in terms of scriptural reflection. Can you stand in that river? And can you hear that voice and claim it for yourself? Because that's the truth of us who are in Christ, right? And so that voice is given to us. That's our starting point. But we have to have it. And maybe in springtime, that's the work that needs to be done at the beginning. Can you accept yourself as a beloved of God?
0: I think that the danger, if we don't start it that way, is is when you said, at winter, we, we allow things to die, so then that creates space, which should be uh, an exciting thing, but if we don't start spring with the concept of loving and caring for ourselves and understanding ourselves and understanding that we're beloved children of God, we may fill that space with things that actually could be unhealthy, and so doing that really difficult work of accepting ourselves as children of God. Is paramount because if we don't do it, spring may get us in a worse place than we were before.
1: That is exactly right. So, again, the early work of spring plowing, planting, waiting, right? Watching for what you pointed out was the natural evolution, the natural flow.
0: Our modern take on this, from my perspective, the way that I see this. In our city, we have this wonderful farmer's market. I'm sure you do, too, out there in Denver, Mm -hmm. all over the place. And in the early spring, everybody's so excited to go to the farmer's market, but there's really very little there. So you're almost going just for the experience of being there, but you don't get any of the vegetables and things like that that you're really excited about. That will come in a month or two down the road. Yeah, Yeah. right.
1: But you got to wait. You've got to wait. And while we're waiting, we've got to know that we are the beloved once we're there then the excitement can begin because then really good things will come to fruition right yeah and then we're sort of safe and empowered to dream well to vision well to walk into the growth and the new life of a god who really does love us and it's not about becoming perfect. It's not about doing everything right. It's not about checking a, a box and you know, now I'm worthy. It's about you are the beloved and let's manifest when you see that change in people's lives you really have a real renewed belief in the work of the spirit and the coming of spring so then you can really listen to spring as what is blossoming in me has been infused by the spirit that is within me and I'm okay and these dreams and visions and the things that I need for my life are great and it's no longer I have to but I am. And I see people doing works of charity today. Uh, Just a few people that I walk so closely with, they're doing it because they want to express the love they have received. And people, you know, they pull me aside and say, this is a turning point for me. I may be 60 some years old, but I know today I'm the beloved and spring is real. And the resurrection isn't something, God, I hope I can make it, but rather, look what's waiting for me in the future, right? So the work of Lent is really the gift of discovery. Hmm. It is really the gift of seeing who we truly are, and now the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts that we offer flow out of love and acceptance instead of earning and working no matter what season we're in, there's always some kind of give and take, there's always some kind of struggle, right? So even when you watch the plants grow, oftentimes they're marked with rings that show their struggle and their growth. And I always like to do some practical questions around the seasons, like, what are the words or images that you associate with spring? that's a helpful place. A lot of people will say, I think about the budding of the trees or the blossoming, the flowering, the bursting, the enlivenedness of it all, the color that's coming back in the world. These are good words to write down because they will be our guides from nature about where we're headed. And then, because I really believe in the narrative approach to life, you and I were talking about this earlier, this story, it's good to go back and just kind of uh, reminisce about what were some of the big events in your life that happened during the springtime on a friday night this is when i was in high school i got in my share of trouble i got in trouble pretty bad on friday night and um the police brought me home instead of putting me in jail which was a a kind of a bonus Um, But my dad, who was uh, ex-Marine Corps sergeant, was waiting for me. That was not a good night. Early in the morning, my grandfather, who was uh, not my biological grandfather, my biological grandfather had died before my grandma remarried, and his name was John T. Smith. It's the most common name in our phone book. And uh, he picked me up. We didn't have a real close relationship, but he came downstairs early in the morning and got me out of bed and told me to put on my boots. We were going to go for a ride. So got in his 1962 Ford Falcon that had a, a shift on the column, three on the tree, you know, that kind of thing. And we drove out to this farm out by Denver, Iowa. And we went through the barbed wire fence, which made me nervous. I didn't know the farmer, and I don't think my grandfather did either. And all the way there, we didn't talk. He just said, come on, we're going out on the field. And we went out on the field. We walked in a ways. You could hear the slurping of the mud on the bottom of your boots, you know, every time you took a step. The ice was almost melted. There wasn't much snow, but the the ground was very muddy. And there was this cow pie that was laying on the ground that had been there for quite a few days. And my my grandpa said, I want you to bend down and take a look at that. And I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, you know? So I bent over a little bit, he goes, no closer. And I thought, oh, here it comes, you know? So I bent down and he goes, tell me what you see. And I looked at him, he goes, just tell me what you see. Well, there were these little green shoots growing up through this sort of melted cow pie in the cold spring ground. And I said, well, there's something growing there. He says, good. We turned around. We went back to the 62 Falcon, drove all the way back to Waterloo, got in the driveway, and he goes, do you understand? And I said, well, life kind of looks like crap right now. And he's like, yeah. It's an opportunity now for growth. Even out of the worst circumstances, new life can come. That was it. I, You know, how old was I? 15, 16, I've never forgotten that.
0: And I love that example of just using nature even to teach a lesson. Yeah. That is amazing, what a great story.
1: In this new growth, in this blossoming and budding of new life coming forward, One of our great teachers can be, where are we resistant? You know, why am I resisting is a good question. Where am I? How am I? What am I resisting? And this takes time. These questions take time and should be done first by yourself and then with a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we don't do it with somebody else, the cardinal rule happens. God's voice sounds like mine. God's face begins to look like mine. God becomes a projection of either my shadow or my light or both. But doing it with somebody who can hold us accountable in love is key. And the whole resistance thing has to be dealt with or else the doors can't be opened for the new life. Right? It's always that, regardless of what season it is in. Once we break through our resistance with a good friend, the words of John O'Donohue can really hit home with us. John O'Donohue says, May I have the courage today to live the life I would love, to postpone my dream no longer, but do at last what I came here for and waste my time on fear no more.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Celtic Way podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this show, give a five-star rating, and write a review. Also, become a sustainable donor by going to CelticWay.org. Finally, be sure to like us on Facebook at Celtic Way.